Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to kick off a brand new series entitled The Five Essentials for Growth this morning. And as we get kicked off, I'm going to ask you to do a little mind experiment, a little thought experiment with me for just a minute. Because I realize that we got people from all different walks of life, different places spiritually, from those of you who've been you know, Christians and walking with God for years to those who are still considering, is there a God? Is there even, can I put faith in this God? And so, uh, and we're so glad that you are here. We're so glad that you're processing that with us, letting us have, be one of the voices at least that you're listening to as you're thinking through all of this. So I want to ask you to begin by asking this question or considering this question this morning. And here's the question I'm asking you to consider. What if God really exists? And if God really exists, what if you had perfect faith in him? So you may be already saying, well, I get, yeah, I I believe there is a God, but what if, right, you had perfect faith in God? I know you may say you have faith, but none of us, I think, can say we have perfect faith. But what if you had perfect faith in this God? And here's what I mean by that. In everything that came your way, you were always, uh, was always a part of a divine plan, and you really believe that. And that someday you would understand how all these pieces fit together and made sense. You don't see it right now. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to you now. But someday there would be a day when it would make sense. Right? Here's the next one. Imagine what would happen to your stress level, your fear level, your anxiety level in your life. Would it be affected? These are at epidemic proportions in our country right now. People are being medicated for this, treated for this constantly because we are crippled under the weight of stress, anxiety, worry, fear. How would it affect that? Here's the next one. What what confidence or what if you were confident that God really had your best interest in mind when he gave his laws and principles to live by? What if you really believe that? Here's the next one. What if you face temptation? When you face temptation, you immediately said, God, I trust you to get me through this. And then you trusted and you walked away. What if that actually happened? How would that change your life? Pretty big, huh? Here's the next one. What if, what if we lived with the confidence that God was with us, for us, working through us all the time? Wouldn't, if we really believe this, wouldn't it change the way we respond to much of life, especially the hard things of life, like getting fired from a job or a breakup or a financial struggle or difficulty, a setback, a death of a dream, any number of things? Wouldn't we, we, we look at that and say, well, you know what? I still know that God is for me. He's with me. He's working through me. He must have a different plan or he's going to do something different. I'm going to trust him. How would that change? It would change your response to much of life, wouldn't it? Radically change it. This is why today I want to talk about, I want to take some time to talk about, we're actually going to talk about over several weeks, the key that grows your relationship with God. And that key that unlocks that door is faith. It's faith. Faith is the thing. It's the key that really 
accelerates and makes the relationship with God come alive. And we're going to talk about this idea of faith because faith tends to be a little nebulous. It's a little hard to kind of get our arms around it because different people talk about faith in different ways. So I want to give us a very concrete way to begin to talk about faith. Here, I'm going to give you a definition. Faith is simply complete trust and confidence. Complete trust and confidence. Now, uh, this is us taking faith to the level that God had intended. Like, he, this is what he wants. This is what he desires for us. But if we're really honest, that's not where most of us live. Like, faith is definitely, for some of you, would say, it's part of my life, definitely. You know, I go to church. I'm here, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm here, you know? Uh, and I, I believe there's a God. Maybe most of you would say that. Some of you say, I'm not sure. I'm still considering it. But um, I believe there's a God. But faith is always one of those things that's very difficult to get our arms around. But here's what I have found. The Christians that I have met in this life, and there's not a lot, but the ones that I have met, and you've met them too, that have really embraced this concept of faith, complete trust and confidence. There is something uniquely different about their life, something amazing about their life. And almost, well, I'm not going to say almost, I would say every single one I have ever met Challenge me on this. Go talk to people that you think have amazing faith. Every one of them has a story of pain, difficulty, struggle, setback, heartbreak, something like that has happened. It's the kind of story that you would say, if that happened to most people, man, whatever little shred of faith they had in God would be gone. I mean, it would drive a wedge between them and God. But what it has done to this person has done just the opposite. It has drawn them closer to God than they ever thought possible. Instead of being a wedge, it was like a magnet that pulled them closer and closer to God. So much so when you talk to them, and I've had these moments too, you almost think, whoa, this person's kind of in denial. Like they're a little naive. Like they have such strong, crazy faith. It's amazing, but it's not denial. What you're seeing, what you're witnessing is unshakable faith. Unshakable faith. It's not denial. It's not naivete. It's not them not understanding life like you get understand life. It's just that they came through something and saw God so faithfully, so trustworthily stand by them that they trust him like nothing else in this life. It's been amazing. And I want you to see today, this is where God wants to take you and I. This is where God wants to take every single person. He wants them to take them to this place of faith, of complete trust and absolute confidence in him. And because God knows, and we forget this or don't know this sometimes, is that that kind of faith helps us avoid all kinds of problems in this life. Without that kind of faith, we are most certainly going to run into many more problems. As a matter of fact, all through the Bible, we're taught that the problems of humanity began when we quit trusting or quit having faith in God. Now, I want to tell you this morning, I may be using these word trust and faith interchangeably. As I showed you in the definition, faith is complete trust. It's complete confidence. And, and this idea of the problems of humanity began when we quit trusting God. We can trace it all the way back to the book of Genesis at the very, very beginning of the story where the first two human beings were 
uh, began here on this earth, were created, put on this earth, Adam and Eve. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that articles are being written now that the science is showing that all races, all people, every human being could be traced back to two descendants from two people. This is something that the Bible's been writing that has been written about year, thousands of years ago, and it's amazing that this story continues to have validity and power even up against the science and the history that we find around us. And so these two people, Adam and Eve, here's what's interesting about this moment in time. Before they took the fruit and ate it, before they committed the first sin, there was a process that happened in their mind that said, God does not have my best interest in mind. God doesn't have my best interest in mind, and I know better than him, so I'm going to do what I want, what I feel will please me, even though he has commanded me. He commanded uh, Adam and Eve, stay away from, you can have anything in the garden, you feel, feel free, enjoy it all, eat it all, and stay away from the one tree. Don't eat of that fruit, that's the only prohibition. Everything else, yes. I put yes out there, you can enjoy it all, but they were enticed by the temptation of Satan to go and try that one fruit. But they doubted God had their best interest at mind, so they ate the fruit and they sinned. I want you to see this morning that before there was disobedience, there was distrust. Before there was disobedience, there was distrust. And distrust, or a lack of trust, when trust was broken, the relationship between them and God was broken. And when the relationship was broken, that's when sin entered the world. You see, long before they ate of the fruit, they stopped trusting God. And I think that's true right down to today, that every time that someone steps into a sin that gives into a temptation, it's because somewhere in their processes, and maybe they never knew God's best plan or knew what God wanted in the first place, uh, but there was a decision to say, I know better, I'm going to make this call for me, and I'm going to do, I'm I, don't, I believe I have my best interest in mind more than God does. So I'm going to go ahead and do this the way I want to do it. And there enters the suffering and pain and a cascade of problems that enter into the world. And from that moment forward, from the moment that first sin was committed, God has begun a quest, a quest to get you and I, all of humanity, to re-engage him with faith, with trust, complete trust, and confidence once again. And when we look at the Old Testament, it's beautiful. God doesn't do this. He doesn't challenge people to trust him without giving them something to put their trust in. He doesn't say, just trust me on my word. He shows them that he is trustworthy. Before, you see, even when, when God gave the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, if you remember, what was the historical event that happened right before Moses gives the, God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses to give to his people? He emancipates them from Egyptian slavery, 430 years of slavery to be exact. He sets them free and he shows them, he says, look, this is why you can trust me. I love you. I will set you free from your own slavery. I'm going to help you. And because I have proven to you that I can be trustworthy, now I'm asking you to obey me and trust me, put your faith in me, and to follow me. And when we come to the New Testament, Jesus follows in the same type of footsteps. When we come to the New Testament, here's what Jesus says. Jesus teaches that Christianity is an invitation to enter a relationship of trust 
with God. Essentially, that's what Christianity is. That it comes through Jesus Christ, but it's an invitation to enter this relationship with Jesus Christ, with, with the Lord God Almighty through Son Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we looked at the cross of Jesus, the fact that he resurrected. But when we take a closer look at the cross of Jesus, two really important things happen. First thing that happened on the cross of Jesus is that sin was forgiven, right? All sin through faith in Jesus can be forgiven in our life. Remarkable. The second thing is, is that there was an invitation that was extended that you can come and trust God, that you can come and enter into a faith relationship with God himself. And this is what he invites us into, to trust him, to trust him, to enter into that kind of relationship with him. And what's amazing is that this kind of trust, this kind of intimacy with God isn't just true in a spiritual sense of relationships. It's true of every single relationship that there is. I would say all intimate relationships are built on trust. All intimate relationships. Think about it for just a second. I've talked to lots and lots of married people through the years. I have never met a married couple that had a good marriage that would say, you know, we got a great marriage, but I can't trust him to save my life. You know, I can't trust her at all. No. If there's trust present, usually they got a fighting chance. They got a good relationship. They're going to make it. They're going to do great. And whatever the thing is, usually even couples counseling is trying to identify where have you lost the trust and how can we start taking steps to rebuild the trust that's been eroded out of the relationship? Because when trust goes, then goes the relationship. And and it's not just true of marriages, it's true of parent-child relationships. You're not going to pull close to your parents if you can't trust them. You feel like they're always trying to pull one over on you. They're always trying to do something conniving. Parents, you're not going to trust your kids if you feel like they're always lying to you. They're not being honest, not being truthful. They're not being, I mean, you're going to have to constantly put safeguards in place to try to protect yourself, to protect your resources because they're going to, you can't trust them, right? Trust is the bedrock of any relationship. God just says, don't forget, it also applies. It is the bedrock to relationship with me as well. Any Even in your workplace, if you go into an environment to do work and you can't trust anybody, you're going to constantly be watching your backside because who's going to come after you? Who's going to lie about you? Who's going to try to cut out from under you? Who's going to take your idea? Who's going to steal from you? Who's going to take territory, you know, resources away from you, your department? What? You're constantly fighting over because you can't trust each other. But when you build, and the organizations that build trust, mutual trust, man, people flourish. They're creative. They come up with amazing ideas. Why? Because you got to be risky. you got to take courage to step out and do that kind of work. And if you don't have an environment where you can take that kind of a risk, you're not going to do it if there's no trust. Trust is key to any healthy relationship or environment. God knows this, and he says, it is so true of us as well. As a matter of fact, it starts here. If there's no trust between you and God, it's going to be really hard to not be suspicious of other relationships as well. As a matter of fact, I want to share with you, I think it's one of the most remarkable, one of the most remarkable moments in the New Testament where Jesus, it's the only time we have Jesus doing this, where he basically says, whoa, that's amazing. 
Now, a lot of people were saying that about Jesus. Whoa, Jesus, you're amazing. But there was one time where we have Jesus going, whoa, this guy is amazing. Okay? And, and I want you to see why, because it's one of the most non-typical people. And it's the most non-typical kind of moments. But Jesus thought it was an extraordinary moment. And he made mention of it and pointed everybody's attention to what just happened. But it's found in Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 5 through 10. And here's what happened with Jesus. It says, And when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now let me pause for a second before we go any further. A centurion was a career military officer with the Roman government. He was not just a military officer. He was over 100 soldiers, 100 men that were sworn to obey and follow his orders to the T, or it could be their life, okay? They were like his sons. They were like his servants. They were like his slaves, if you will. (laughs) They were there at his beck and call whenever. Another thing you need to understand about the Romans in general, but especially the centurions, those who represented the military, they were looked at through the lenses of a Jewish person, of which Jesus was a Jew, okay? They would be seen as the bad guys, to put it bluntly. They were always taking advantage of the Jews because they were in a position of power and authority. Rome had taken over Israel. They were under, they were under Roman rule. So they would come up and just seize their property, take their stuff. Whenever they wanted it, whatever they thought they needed with it, they could take it. They charged them exorbitant tax rates. Crazy. They could raise it at any time without really any reason. They could just do whatever they wanted with it. And they could force you into sort of indentured servitude to them. You could be their slave at any time. As a matter of fact, you see Jesus mention this just a couple of chapters before this in chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, I think it's around verse 41, where Jesus says, listen, when a soldier comes to you and forces you to go one mile, because the law said, Roman law said that they could come up to you at any time if you were a Jewish person and say, hey, my pack's getting heavy. I need you to come carry it for a mile. I know you might have been busy. You're in the middle of something. You got to stop that. You got to come with me right now. And Jesus says, if a soldier asks you to go one mile, I'm telling you go two, because in that second mile, you're going to get to talk to him about the kingdom of God. You're going to be able to, you'll you'll have, because nobody does that. Nobody goes the second mile. But Jesus knew, he was very aware of what was happening with these Jews and the Roman and the conflict in the culture. But this is the guy, the enemy, the bad guy. And he's coming to Jesus asking for help. And I'm sure the Jews are going, all right, Jesus has gone in where he wants him. He's about to let him have it. And they're about to get a surprise. It says, he says, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Wait, what, Jesus, you're going to come to his house? You're going to do a house call? You're going to go help his servant? What? And he says, and the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And he goes on to say this. He says, but just say the, let's say it together, say the word. You just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. You just say the word. Now, what would have caused this centurion to say something like this? He's going to tell us. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes. And I tell that one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
Like, Jesus, I understand authority structure. It's all around me. I am a man that operates within an authority structure. I am under the authority of Rome and all of my higher-ups and my bosses. And when I say to one of these, under, these guys under me, go, come, do whatever, they have to do it because of the authority and the power of Rome is behind me. And they know that if they don't do it, that there is power Scary big power behind me that is going to be enforced upon them, right? So they have to do it. He says, and that's just my word as a centurion. Jesus, I've been watching you. You tell people who are sick to, to, to be well, and, and they're, they're healed. There are people who are dead, and you call them out of the grave like Lazarus, and they're resurrected, when you speak the word, the wind and the waves calm down. It's clearly, you are a man under the authority. You have power given to you by heaven itself, by God himself. Just like I wouldn't ask great Caesar to come do a house call at my house, I wouldn't ask you, Jesus. You don't need to run to the house. You just say the word and it's going to happen. I see all the great authority that you have. Jesus is sitting there like, are you kidding me? What? Here's what he says. Look at this, the, the, the next part of the verse. Next part of the verse. He says, and when Jesus heard this, he was, let's say it together, he was amazed, a word that means astonished, marveled. We would say blown away. He was blown away. What was he blown away by? It says, and he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Not just faith, but great faith. This guy's a Gentile. He's not even a Jew. He's not even one of God's chosen people, as the Jews thought back then. Here's this guy that's not even coming to the temple. He's not even worshiping me. But he understands something critical about faith that all you Israelites, all you Jewish people would, would do well to take note of. You need to take notes right now. Take notes on the centurion. He gets it. You don't get it. He understands that when I speak and I have authority, things change. And he says, and he has faith, this kind of complete trust and confidence in me that you don't have. This is amazing. And this was like a slap in the face to the Jews. They're like, what, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus is showing you, the thing that I'm impressed with, the thing I want from you is faith, not your heritage or what family you grew up in or what church you go to, what uh, religion. He was never impressed with religion or religiosity. He was impressed with faith. He was blown away by people who had actual, profound, deep, confident, fully trusting faith in him. And that's what he's still impressed by. That's what he still craves and longs for from all of us. Because it is deep faith that causes us to go into deep intimacy with God. Trusting God that he has authority to speak into your situation. God, you just say the word. Whatever you say, I trust. Whatever you want, I follow. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for that kind of trust or that kind of faith in us. But the question that you may be asking, I certainly was the, the first few times I read this, really, is 
But how does God grow our faith? How does he grow that kind of faith? That's what he wants, yes, but how does he do it? Now, to answer this question, I want you to think about your life for just a second. If you were to take the time to graph out your life, like here's the highs and the lows, the mountaintop moments, the valleys, and then go back and assess all those times, and where were those moments where you grew the most spiritually? If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian today, if you're not, where were those moments where you sensed God prompting you, drawing you to himself, where if there was a moment where you would say, I sensed God's presence when I really felt him close to me, it was at this moment in time, where would those places be? And here's what I have found over and over, that there are five distinctives or five essentials that tend to happen over and over, not just with us, but all throughout the pages of the Bible. Every person of faith that has ever lived, God has used one or a multiple number of these five essentials to grow their faith. And I want to just do a quick overview, and then over the next five weeks, we're going to go in depth on how you can maximize and get the most out of each one of these in your life personally, okay? But um, there's a lot of conversation uh, at times about what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. How do we disciple people? How do we help them to grow in their faith? And those are great questions to ask. But I'm going to show you today that these five things I'm about to show you, you cannot grow in your faith apart from these, okay? They are absolutely essential. That's why we call them the five essentials that God uses to grow your faith, okay? Here's the first one. First one is providential relationships, in other words, what I mean by that is that there are certain people that God has brought into your life, and not all the time, but there are times where he will speak through those people to you. Think about that for a minute. God will use their voice box to speak to you, to encourage you, to help you at moments when you need it most. And you need to identify those people and leverage those relationships and listen to them. Take time because they are strategic and they are in your life. And, and so we're going to talk about how to make the most of those kinds of providential relationships because relationships are so critical. The people in our life do show, shape, mold, encourage, direct our life to such a huge degree. It's important that we pause and take a close look at what that looks like in your life right now, mine too. Second one is practical teaching. Now, this is something that we're committed to here at Brazos Fellowship every single week to give you application that you can leave here and say, okay, I know how to live this out. I'm going to go ahead and put this into application right now. I have an action step. I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to go for it starting today, okay? Practical teaching at its essence, what it does for us, it's almost like a spiritual navigation system. Uh, spiritual navig or navigation systems are only good if they can show you where you are right now and how to get to where you want to go, right? There needs to be a line, right? It usually uh, bolds the line. It shows you here's the way to get there. Practical teaching says here's where you are and here's where you need to go. Here's the next step. Here's, here's where we're going next. Here's where God is guiding you. That's what practical teaching essentially does. And we're going to talk about how to get the most out of that and how to make that a part of your life. Here's the next one. Third one was private disciplines. 
What are the things that happen when no one else is around? Are you taking time just between you and God to tune into the frequency of God, to listen, to be in sync with Him? There are some disciplines. This is just like any muscle. It can be built up and strengthened, but you need to understand how to develop those kinds of private disciplines. We're going to talk about that that week, so don't miss that. And then next one is pivotal circumstances. As I talked about early in this message, those who have deep, profound faith do not get there apart from pivotal circumstances. Something that happened, and maybe you've got multiple somethings that happened, that very well could have disintegrated your faith, but it didn't. It deepened it. It widened it. It strengthened it. It became a foundation that is immovable, and it can survive amazing storms of life because you have gone through circumstances. And we're going to talk about how to navigate that, how to manage that, how to grow through that. And then finally, personal ministry. Personal ministry is simply using the gifts and abilities that God has given you to be able to meet needs around you. It's just that simple. And Christian ministry is meeting a need in the name of Jesus. You don't have to have a seminary degree to do ministry. Ministry anybody can do. As a matter of fact, I would say this. In my life, personally, and I've heard other people attest to the same thing, I have, the times where I have felt the power of God work in and through my life the most... Uh, of anything in my life were times of personal ministry where I was making myself available for God to use to make a difference in the life of somebody else. And it was absolutely humbling to see how God leveraged me, my limited abilities to be able to make a difference, an eternal difference in somebody else's life. And God wants to do this with every single one of us. And He will grow your faith through all of these. And we're going to talk about how to begin to apply these personally to your life over these next several weeks. Because there is no intimacy with God apart from deep trust in God. And you don't get deep trust in God unless you're willing to go with Him down these roads. He uses, this is what He uses. Over and over and over again, He will use these in your life. And He wants to leverage them to grow your faith. So here's the question I want you to think about as we get ready to close out today. It's simply asking, where is God trying to grow your faith right now? In other words, where are you within your faith feeling stress, anxiety, fear, apprehension? Maybe not all the time. Some of you may say, no, I'm feeling it all the time right now, all right? It's a child, it's a financial stressor, it's a, it's a difficulty, it's my marriage, it's something with my parents, it's something with somebody else. It, 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 there's a stressor there. Like, I am trying, God, I don't know how to do this. And you've got to, he's forcing you to a place of laying it down at his feet and saying, I'm trusting you, God. You get me through this. I can't do this on my own. And he's saying, finally, finally, you're getting it. And this is amazing. What you're doing is amazing. You're laying it down. You're trusting me. You see, God wants to take the darkest, most horrible, difficult, stressful, awful thing you've ever gone through and leverage it for your best. But he cannot do it apart from your faith. You have to trust him. You have to trust him. 
You have to keep coming back to him saying, I trust you. And sometimes you have to say it over and over before you fully feel it inside of yourself. God, help me to trust you more. I want to trust you. I'm struggling to trust you, but I need to trust you. I've prayed prayers like that before. Like, God, I want to have full confidence in you. I want to fully and totally, completely trust you, but I'm still struggling with that. And I have seen God honor prayers like that and over time strengthen, deepen, widen my, my faith in an area that it was shaky, frail at best. And he'll do that for you too. And here's a prayer I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we close out. Simply saying, Lord, I am committed to the process of you growing my faith and I trust you completely. I'm going to trust you completely. Confidence in you completely. And today, I want to ask you, where is that place in your life where you need to completely surrender it to God? You feel it. There's a constant tension. There's a constant yearning, eating away at your heart. That stress, anxiety, frustration. Would you be willing to just say, Jesus, here you go. I'm going to lay it right down at the foot of the cross. And the cross reminds us he is trustworthy. Look what he did for us to earn, to gain our trust. He gave his life to set us free from slavery to sin, just like he did the Israelites. And he says, and I'm asking you today to pass through the door of faith to receive my salvation, to receive my help, to embrace faith in me. You've got to trust me today. And right now, I want to ask you, if you would, bow with me in prayer Wherever you are in your journey with him right now, would you be willing to just surrender to him and just make a commitment to say, I want to be here over the next five weeks to learn each one of these essentials of growing my faith. And God, right now, we come before you and we just pray, Father, for every person in this room that would honestly have to say that there is something in my life, there's something in your life that you struggle to trust God with and the big indicator that you're not trusting him with it is that you are stressed about it. You're feeling anxious and, and apprehensive about it. You're frustrated over it. It's a constant thorn in your side, nagging at you, irritating you constantly. What is that for you? Is it a relationship? Is it a financial situation? Something at work? Something with a kid? Something with a family member? Whatever it is today, would you be willing to just lay it down at God's feet and just say it out loud right where you sit, God, I trust you with it. Right now, if there's something you know God's telling you to lay down, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right now. Anybody here, you know, this is time, this is the day. God's saying, lay it down. Stop worrying about it. Let me worry about it. Stop stressing and being anxious over it. Give it to me. I got it. God, right now, for every hand going up, every person in this room that says yes, I got something that has been eating away at me. It has been gnawing at my soul, God, and I give it to you. I trust you with it today. I want to be just like that centurion saying, God, you have authority over all things. You call the wind and waves to calm. You can speak into this storm as well in my life. You got me. I trust that. I believe that. God, I, right now, I give it all over to you. Hold nothing back. I completely trust 
And if you're struggling to trust, just tell him, God, help me to trust. Help me to have more faith. Help me to continue to surrender this to you again and again and again until I feel it being transferred to you away from me. God, right now, I pray for all across this room, for, for those who have been carrying a burden, a heartbreak, a difficulty, frustration, a stress, God, that they would begin to feel some alleviation happening in their heart right now, that you've got it. They can trust you. Full confidence, full trust, full faith. This is what our hearts, our souls yearn for, God, is to be able to trust you. It's what you call us to. It's what you're leading us to. And we cannot be disciples of you without faith. It is essential. And I pray, God, that that key would begin to unlock growth in you like never before in our lives. You may lower your hands. And God, right now, I pray for those in this room that would love to begin a relationship with you. God, there's a hurt in their heart because they've been separated from you for so long. And it's our sin that does that to us. And God, right now, I pray that they would, they would want a relationship with you more than they want to hang on to sin. And right now, wherever you sit, would you just be willing to say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive all my sin. I'm trusting that when you died on the cross, resurrected from the dead to take away the sins of the world, that was for me too. And I'm asking in faith right now, Jesus, please forgive me. Ask him to forgive your sin. Please forgive me and be the Lord of my life. Give me new life that comes from you right now. I trust you, Jesus. I place my faith in you, Jesus, right now. If you just ask Jesus to forgive your sins and be the Lord of your life, to trust him, to have faith in him, would you just lift your hand as an act of faith saying, Will, I have given my life to Jesus Christ. God bless you right here in the middle. Anybody else giving it all over to Jesus today? Anybody else giving it all over to him? Thank you. Right back over here. God bless you. Thank you for opening up your heart to Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for moving in this service. Thank you, God, for leading us down this spiritual path of growth. God, help us not to be satisfied with stagnation, with, with just, just sitting still and, and not growing, God. Complacency. God, help us not to live there, but to want what you want, to see the, our faith grow and expand and deepen and widen. And that takes us down a path of intentional essentials of growth. And I pray, God, we would make a commitment to be here over these next weeks. We love you. We pray all this in the amazing name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. For those who gave your life to Christ, please share that with somebody who'll celebrate with you. We'll see you back next Sunday as we continue the series. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.